Chapters 39 and 40 of The Life and Doctrine of St. Catherine of Genoa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Life and Doctrine of St. Catherine of Genoa. Chapters 39 and 40. Chapter 39. On the 10th of January, 1510, during one of these attacks, all need of her confessor vanished from her mind, and she had no desire to see him, either for the support and consolation of her body or her soul. She kept this thought secret for many hours, but expressed the contrary. This thought came from the spirit, who wished to deal with humanity without any intervention, and believed that the confessor, who thought she must do and say all she wished to do and say, might influence her too much, knowing, as she did, that all was by the ordinance of God. When the confessor was removed, humanity was left desolate upon the earth, and could hardly endure herself, consuming away and yet living, because it was not God's time for her to die. The confessor at one time concealed himself to watch the operations of God in this soul. She locked herself into her chamber, alone, and, in her agony, poured out her lamentations to her Lord, exclaiming, O Lord, what dost thou wish me to do in this world? All my interior and exterior senses are lost. I find nothing in myself like other creatures, but I am like one dead. No creature understands me. I am alone, unknown, poor, naked, strange, and opposed to all the world. Neither do I know what the world is, and therefore I can no longer dwell with creatures on the earth. She uttered these words and many such expressions so piteously that they would have melted the stones with compassion. The confessor, who was concealed and heard them all, was so moved that he was obliged to discover himself, and drawing near, spoke to her, for God had given him the grace, in such a manner that she remained consoled in body and mind for many days. The suffering of this blessed soul increased in violence, and her attacks became more frequent, and were sometimes too agonizing for human eyes to behold. She seemed writhing in flames of fire, and could not be kept upon her bed. Sometimes these tortures would continue for a day and night, without ceasing, and it seemed as if every moment must be her last. She lost sight and speech, but by signs asked that extreme unction might be given her, for she believed herself dying. But she lived to endure great sufferings, for through all that she had hitherto endured, she had remained in communication with God, and experienced such great peace and interior joy in the midst of them but now it was ordered that for a season she should be deprived of this divine communication, and should be left naked and desolate, with nothing to hold her to life but the conviction that this was the will of God concerning her. She would sometimes exclaim in her desolation, It is now nearly thirty-five years, O oh my Lord, since I have asked anything of thee for myself, but now most earnestly do I implore thee not to separate thyself from me, Thou well knowest, O Lord, that I cannot endure it. She said this because, from the time she was first called by God, her mind had always been in union with him, and at peace, and hence the separation appeared dreadful to her. 
Her soul became more resigned, but humanity more tortured, at every fresh attack. When she was able to speak, her words appeared flames of divine love, and so penetrated the hearts of those who heard them, that they were deeply moved, and filled with astonishment. On one occasion she had four excruciating attacks in one night. So great was the distress of her nerves, that from her head to her feet, there was not a spot free from suffering. She cried aloud in her agony, and those around her implored God to have mercy on her, but she could find no relief, and yet she said, during a pause, Tongue cannot tell, nor imagination conceive the peace of mind that I enjoy, but as to the human part, all the sufferings that man could inflict are nothing to the pains I endure, and in these operations the spirit and humanity are both watching to observe the doings of God. It is not the spirit, but humanity that cries out in agony. In the intervals of this suffering, her body appeared in health, and free from any feverish affection. She laughed and spoke with a person in health, and told others that they must not be troubled on her account, for she was happy, but that they must strive to do right, for the ways of God are very straight. She had at this time many visions of angels, and sometimes she was seen laughing with them. She smiled without speaking, and, as has been related, she beheld the joy of the angels, who consoled her and showed her the preparation for her future triumph. She also beheld the devils, but with little fear, for she was secure in her perfect union with God, which drives out all fear. About four months before her death, after all the attempts of numerous physicians for her relief, another, more extraordinary, was made. Several medical men were summoned, who examined the suffering creature, investigated all the symptoms of her malady, and afterward came to the conclusion that it was supernatural, and no remedy of medical science could reach it. This she had often said herself, and refused to take the medicines prescribed her. But when the physicians persevered in their prescriptions, she took them in spirit of obedience, although with great pain and injury to herself, until the physicians themselves came to the above-mentioned conclusion. But there arrived from England a Genoese named Boerio, who had been for many years physician to the king of that country. He was surprised, when he heard of the fame of this holy lady, that she should speak of her infirmity as not natural and requiring no medical remedy. Hardly believing this report to be true, he obtained permission to visit her, and reproved her for the scandal she caused by rejecting medical aid, even accusing her of hypocrisy. To all this she humbly answered, It grieves me much to be the cause of scandal to anyone, and if any remedy can be found for my disease, I am ready to make use of it. The physician, availing himself of her consent and obedience, applied various remedies, but at the end of twenty days, finding herself no better, she told him that she had submitted to his treatment in order to remove all scandal from his eyes and from the eyes of others. But now he must leave the care of her soul to herself. For it was thus that the Holy Spirit, who worked and spoke through her, wished to confound the too great confidence of physicians in their science. After this, Boerio held her in great reverence, calling her mother, and often visited her. Chapter 40 During the last days of her life, 
her acute suffering still continuing, this blessed soul received impressions in accordance with the divine operations in the saint whose day was celebrated. On the evening of St. Lawrence's day, her body appeared to her in flames like his, and on the following day, God visited her by drawing her upwards, towards himself. She remained immovable for more than an hour, with her eyes fixed on the ceiling of her chamber. She did not speak, but often smiled in sign of her interior joy. On returning to herself, she told those around, who questioned her, that the Lord had showed her one spark of the joys of eternal life, and that her joy was so great that she could not restrain her smiles, and repeated only these words, Lord, do with me all that seemeth good to thee, which showed that the time was approaching when she was to pass from the fires of purgatory into that blessed life. Her sufferings were constantly increasing, followed by the sweetest consolation, until the vigil of the Assumption, when they became so great that all those around her believed her passing away to her Lord. When she was about to receive communion, she addressed many beautiful words to the Holy Sacrament, and to the persons present, words of burning love from the interior fire of her heart, so fervent and pious that everyone wept with devotion. The following day and the succeeding night she passed in torture, and received extreme unction at her own request, with great elevation. The next day she was in a state of such spiritual joy, that it burst forth in her countenance, which was radiant with smiles, to the admiration of those who beheld it. When the vision had passed, she answered to their inquiries, that she had seen some most beautiful countenances, beaming with joy, so that she could not contain her delight. But the impression remained with her for seven days, so that she appeared better. The cause was manifestly supernatural, the change from death to life taking place so suddenly, and then again her return continually to a worse condition, as she was drawing nearer to her end. An attack so severe followed this vision, that she lost the use of her left hand and side, and a finger of the other hand. She lay speechless for several hours, with her eyes closed, and could not swallow, though the persons about her attempted to give her nourishment. But the divine work going on within her was to be accomplished without human aid. Her thirst was always so great, that it seemed to her she could drink all the water of the sea, and yet could not swallow the smallest drop, or take refreshment from any created thing. She would sometimes attempt to taste of fruit, but as soon as it touched her lips, she rejected it. On the night of the vigil of St. Bartholomew, she had a demoniacal vision, which threw her into great distress of body and mind. Being unable to speak, she motioned to have the sign of the cross made on her heart, and blessed herself. And by this it was understood that she was suffering from a temptation of the devil. She made a sign that a surplus, stole, and holy water should be brought her. This being done, in half an hour she was relieved. Oh, how wretched are those sinners, who are carelessly awaiting this terrible presence, and a torment as terrible, it being so dreadful where there is no sin. About the 25th of August, some liquid was offered her, which she took in obedience, but it caused her to scream from the distress it gave her. She afterwards fell into a state of great weakness, and asked to have the windows opened, that she might see the sky. As night came on, she had a great many candles lighted, and then, as well as she could, she sang the Veni Creator Spiritus. When it was finished, 
she lay with her eyes upturned towards heaven, making signs which led those about her to believe that she saw wonderful things. Her countenance was radiant with joy, and she seemed just about to breathe her last, but recovering herself, she repeated again and again, Let us go, adding, No more earth, no more earth. When questioned as to what she had seen, she answered that she could not describe those things, but they were very pleasant. On the 27th of the same month, she seemed as if left without any life of her own, and resting with her spirit alone in God. She dismissed everyone from her apartment, saying, Let no one enter this room except those who are absolutely needed. She held no more conversation with creatures, except so far as necessity required, and when she had need of any service, she said only, Do this in charity. This was contrary to her usual habit, for she was accustomed to speak always with entire confidence and frankness to everyone, and always expressed great gratitude for any service done her. But at this time, she could not look upon any service as done to herself, but only for the love of God. This state she continued in for two days. On the 28th of August, the Feast of St. Augustine, her sufferings were very great, and for some months before her death, she appeared to suffer much more on feast days, especially on those of Our Lady, and of the apostles and martyrs. Often she cried aloud in her agony, but her silent sufferings were the greatest, when her tongue and lips were so parched with a burning fire within, that she could not move them or speak. At such times, if anyone touched a hair of her head, or even the edge of the bed or the bedclothes, she would scream as if she had been wounded. When she was unable to swallow the smallest morsel of food, or a drop of liquid, she could always receive Holy Communion, and sometimes when her confessor found her in such a state that he feared to give it to her, she would make a sign, with a joyful countenance, that she was not afraid, and often, on receiving, her face was glowing and radiant with joy, like a seraph. Sometimes she extended her arms as if stretched on the cross, and it seemed as if the stigmata were interiorly impressed on her, although they did not appear outwardly. On one occasion, fresh water was brought to her to cool her hands, and after bathing the palms, it became boiling hot, so as to heat even the stand of the cup, which had a very long stem. She also suffered greatly at this time in her feet. As the burning fire within increased, her thoughts and imagination were filled with different sins, which she had never before thought of these, however, did not cause her any compunction, but the remembrance of them gave her great pain. Her attendants, seeing her extreme weakness, and that she had not taken food for so long a time, and on the 10th of the month of September, assembled ten physicians, in order to ascertain if medical science could invent any remedy for her sufferings. After the most careful investigation of her case, they decided that her condition was produced wholly by supernatural causes, and was beyond the reach of medical skill, for all her bodily organs were in good order, and showed no sign of infirmity, and they took their leave, lost in wonder, and recommending themselves to her prayers. On the twelfth, she again received Holy Communion, but took no food. She also made a will naming the place in which she wished to be buried, then she lay alternately like one dead, motionless and speechless, or groaning with the interior flames that were consuming her, and which raged so fiercely that black blood flowed from her mouth. 
Her body was covered with black stripes. After these attacks, she became more and more exhausted, and on one occasion, having her eyes raised to the ceiling and fixed, she made so many signs to those around that they inquired of her what she saw, and she answered, Drive away that beast! But they could understand nothing more. End of chapters 39 and 40